All right, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come again to worship you and thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his faithfulness to save his people as he did and to draw us to him by the preaching of his gospel and the giving of his Holy Spirit. And now, Lord, we seek your help again as we go into your word that you may grant us understanding. May you speak to your people, these who are here and those who shall listen from afar. Lord, may you be kind to them for the sake of your name. We pray and we thank you in all things in Jesus' name. Amen. First Samuel 21, verse 1 to 6. First Samuel 21, verses 1 to 6. I originally wanted to do the whole chapter, but I got overwhelmed by the amount of gospel that was in it. So we are going to have to do part two, one to six. First Samuel chapter 21, verses one to six. The text says, Now David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid when he met David, and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? So David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has ordered me on some business and said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or what I have commanded you and I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men have at least kept themselves from women. Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly women have been kept from us about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in fact common, even though it was sanctified in the vessel this day. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread, which had been taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. And that's the word of the Lord. The title of our message is Eating Holy Bread and a Change of the Law. Eating Holy Bread and a Change of the Law. The Old Testament testifies of Christ and the Gospel. God did not record the stories these stories that we are reading, just for us to be amused by them. The Old Testament is not a bedtime storybook to read just to the kids. <laughs> it is a book for the church. Come in. No, you're fine. You're late, but Christ is not late. Christ was never late. And that's your only hope. Good morning and welcome. We are in First Samuel. Yes, First Samuel chapter 21, and we just read verses 1 to 6. We shall be going back to them later when we get back to them. Yeah, somewhere there. <laughs> First Samuel 21, verses 1 to 6. So I'd opened and said the Old Testament testifies of Christ and the gospel, and that God did not record the stories just to amuse us, but to give us the story of Christ 
God was by these stories preaching Christ and this gospel. And so if we are reading it correctly, we have to find the gospel imprinted in all the stories with some stories more obvious than others. There are some stories that tell the gospel story in a more obvious way than others, but they all testify of Christ. And if we do not see Christ in the gospel, it is not that he is not there. It is just our method of reading that determines or limits whether we get something about Christ or not. If you go into the text with the assumption that it is not talking about Christ, then you cannot come out with Christ. But if you go into the text thinking that this is about Christ, then you have a good chance of coming out with Christ and the gospel. Many approach the Old Testament scriptures academically, not spiritually, and so they miss Christ. And that is what happened with the Jews. The Jews did not read the Old Testament scriptures correctly. And so when Jesus showed up, they could not tell that it was he who was testified of in the scriptures. As I have said before, Christ is the key that opens every door. And so you have to bring that key to every story to get the truthful understanding of it. If you don't bring Jesus to any situation, you can never understand the situation because he is the key that opens everything. So this gospel was printed in stories as a mystery in types and shadows. And God was not taking advantage of the cultures of the people to preach Christ. God did not look at the cultures and say, well, let me find a culture that I may use to preach my son. No. The cultures and the people were doing exactly what God determined for them to do because by their culture, he determined to preach Christ. It doesn't matter how backward the culture looks. That's what God intended because that's the foolishness of the cross. So there is no culture in the world in which the gospel of Christ cannot be found hidden and preached in their lives. Is there in their customs. You're going to find the gospel in every culture. For there's nothing that does not preach Christ because all things were made by him and for him. But for us to properly read the gospel from the Old Testament, we have to know how God has revealed it clearly in the New Testament. The New Testament gives us the light, the flashlight, as it were, that we can use to go into the shadows of the Old Testament and pull the gospel out. So one of the things that you can't do when you're reading the Old Testament is to read everything literally and just stop there. There are some things like prophecies that you need to read literally, but even then you realize that the prophecies are not tired in their fulfillment. They were just not fulfilled one time. They were fulfilled one time and then they're coming again to be fulfilled in a different way. But if you just read the Old Testament literally and stop there, then you are not going to find much as far as Christ and the gospel are concerned. You have to read all of God's testimony 
with the lens of Christ and the lens of the gospel. And another important thing that a lot of people don't do is to ask God to teach them, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ in those scriptures because it is he who was testifying of Christ, the Spirit of Christ. And so we are having communion this morning and as always we preach the gospel and we love to preach the gospel from the Old Testament and I have a lot of very wonderful gospel messages from the Old Testament that are coming. I am so happy. <laughs> the Lord really has been opening up a lot of Old Testament things and I, I really love to preach the gospel from the Old Testament. So this is where we are. David is in trouble because King Saul wants to get him. He wants to kill him. He is jealousy of him because David is due to take over from him as the new king of Israel. God has to preach Christ and Saul, Saul the king has to be replaced by David. And Saul, Saul has to disobey God so that God can remove him and replace him with a man after his own heart. David has to get in trouble because God intends to use the trouble to write the sounds about Christ and preach the gospel. David has to sleep with Bathsheba because God has to write Psalm 32. Because if that does not happen, you don't have Psalm 32 and you don't have Romans chapter 4. Blessed the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. It came from Bathsheba and David. So God was not reacting to Saul. No, he was not. Saul was doing exactly what God was moving him to do because God was narrating the story of Christ. It is God who has and had the script of Christ and this script had to be dramatized exactly the way that God wanted it to be. And Saul so Saul disobeyed God on two important occasions. On the first occasion, Saul was supposed to wait for Samuel, if you still remember, to make a sacrifice so as to prepare the nation to go to war against the Philistines. But Samuel did not show up for seven days. Samuel did not show up. <laughs> and so Saul decided to make the offering by himself. And just when he was done making the burnt offering, guess who showed up? Samuel showed up. And when he showed up, first Samuel 13, verses 13 and 14, Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Saul was chosen by the people and David was chosen not by the people but by God because the man who shall lead God's people cannot be chosen by man. He has to be appointed by God himself, the man Jesus Christ. That's what is happening. In 1 Samuel 15, Saul goes to war under the instruction from the Lord. The Lord shows up and he tells Saul to go and revenge Israel on the Amalekites. 
But Saul did not follow through with all that was told him to do. He determined to keep to himself the best of the flocks and livestock that the Lord had told him to destroy. And God was not amused. And so Samuel came again and spoke to Saul and reminded him that he was in great sin and that the Lord had rejected him as king of Israel. First Samuel 15, verses 24 to 28. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. You see, this king that the people appointed is afraid of man and not of God. And that's the problem. And Jesus, as a type of David, would come and say, I've come to do the will of my father, not of the people. Verse 25, Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned around to go away, verse 27, Saul seized the edge of his robe and he tore. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Now Samuel, that's not very nice to say. <laughs> so King Saul knows that David is king in waiting and this is giving him some hives and sleepless nights. And as a result, he does not like David at all. And so he is on David's heels trying to eliminate him. He has to kill him. And we see this in First Samuel 19, verse 8 to 11. And there was war again. And David went and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow and they fled from him. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand, and David was playing music with his hand. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with a spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence. And he drove the spear into the wall, so David fled and escaped that night. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow... You will be killed. So Saul is determined to do a political assassination of David. But no man can take away the life of David. As Jesus said, no man can take away my life from me. I have this commandment from my father to put it down and take it back up again. So David is on the run. But David is on the run because he is the man after God's own heart. David is on the run because his time is not yet. <laughs> the hour has not yet come. But David gets in trouble because God is about to bless him. And this is a tested and tried formula of God that works all the time. Sometimes the blessing comes on the wings of trouble or trials. Why? Because all things work out for good to them that love God who are called according to his purpose. And sometimes trouble comes because God wants to make sure that you know where you got your blessing from. <laughs> that it did not come from you. 
It did not come from your planning. It did not come from anything that men did for you, but it came from him. So he has to empty you of your confidence by bringing trials. But David is the shepherd who kept his fathership. David is he who has fought and wrestled with the lions and the bears with his bare hands. And it is this shepherd who now vows and wants to go and fight against the giant, the Philistine Goliath. And the brothers of David think he has gone crazy to fight such a giant. And so they want him to go back home and play on his PlayStation or watch PBS Kids or Nick Jr. They think he was young and ill-equipped to fight such a giant as Goliath, but David is undeterred, and so he goes to Saul to defend his eligibility and qualifications. David says, no, I can do this. I can do this. 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 37. 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 37. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth and when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, verse 37, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. David says he is qualified to fight against Goliath, but he is going to use just bare hands. Bare hands have always been his way of dealing with his enemies. From the lions and the bears and now to this greatest enemy of God's people, Goliath. But Saul is carnal, he's fleshly, and so he clothed David with his own armor. He says, okay, I'm going to give you my own equipment to prepare you for battle. Listen, 1 Samuel 17, 38 to 51, it's going to be good. 1 Samuel 17, 38 to 51. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him, and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking, like you are just some pretty little boy, David. Go back home. So the Philistine Say to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? <laughs> and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, verse 44, Come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. 
Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have divided. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. So the Philistines are going to get beat down just so that they will know that there is a God in Israel. Just like the Egyptians. That God said to Pharaoh, for this reason I raised you up. That I may show my power in your destruction. That's the God of the Bible. Verse 47. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Of course, they had run. The brothers of David despised the stature and power of David to go to war and fight against their enemy. And so did Goliath. That's very important testimony. Why? Because that is how the Lord Jesus Christ was despised of men. The Lord Jesus Christ packaged himself in such lowliness of human nature as God that no one would have thought he could get a decent job anywhere. He was not a Wall Street or Hollywood guy, just an ordinary guy. And no one would ever, ever believed that he was God in the flesh unless he revealed it to them. Isaiah 53, verse 1 to 3. We shall speak to the things that we read from 1 Samuel 17 a little later. Isaiah 53, 1 to 3. Isaiah says, Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Wasn't that David in his life? And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? They did not know who David was. The brothers did not know who David was. Goliath did not know who David was. And so they despised him. Why? Because looks are deceiving. And that is the incarnated Christ who grew up as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. Despised and rejected by men and we did not esteem him as anything. We did not think that he had any kinds of weapons that could destroy our enemies. 
we did not esteem him as having any ability to fight against the Philistines, our enemies. Even the Jews belittled him because of his apparent youthfulness. They even said of him, where does he get all this learning from? He never went to school. He didn't go to Harvard. But listen also to John 8, verse 56 to 59. Jesus is talking to the Jews, to the Pharisees. And he says to them, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I said to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. The Jews thought that Jesus was just some youthful guy like David. How could he be making such blasphemous statements of having seen Abraham? You're just some kid. And so they would also say in John 10, 33, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy and because you, being a man, make yourself God. So they are stumbling at the nature and person of Christ. They are stumbling at how God has packaged Jesus. If Jesus were to show up in 99.9% of the present day churches, the way that he was in Palestine, they will be chasing him out still. But look at the weapons of warfare that David used. When he was tending his father's ship, he used his bare hands to keep his ship from danger. When he went to fight with Goliath, Saul wanted him to have his armor, but David did not feel good in them, and so he went with some very simple technology. He took his sling and some stones, and he slew Goliath. Why? Because that is the simplicity and foolishness of the cross and the gospel. Goliath and his men fell because of the foolishness of the sling and the stone. Goliath was a picture of sin, death, condemnation, the devil, the insurmountable enemies of God's people. And none dared to fight him with their own weapons. They were afraid. But not only that, like Goliath, sin, death, condemnation, the devil defied all of God's people. They rejoiced of us. And so God's people were ever afraid of death until Christ came and he delivered us from the fear of death because he overcame death, even the devil. But the Lord does not fight these kinds of enemies with a sword and spear, but in the name of the Lord, he said, the battle is the Lord's. <laughs> John 17, 12. Jesus said in his high priestly prayer, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. David kept his men, or the ones that came to him, he kept. Goliath can only be fought and defeated by the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus, because that is the name of God and no other. Not with any other weapons, not the weapons that Saul gives you. 
And this one is he who fought on the cross with his bare hands. Sin and condemnation can only be removed by a sling and a stone, and that's the gospel. Not by some other armor that we want to put on ourselves. Men do not help Jesus in their own salvation. We can't help Jesus with our own salvation. If we are understanding sin, death, and condemnation correctly, we have to be afraid and stay at home. We have to be afraid. And so when Saul tried to help David, guess what? That was a picture of wax salvation. Saul was trying to preach a gospel of wax to defeat God's enemies. But David rejected his method of salvation. The method of Saul did not have the nails card hands and feet of Jesus. Why? Salvation is only by the hands of the rock that was put on the slingshot, the cross. Sling, very simple technology. And yet it delivered the whole nation. <laughs> From Goliath. And the cursed tree, very simple technology, delivered all of God's people. <laughs> Saul wanted David to use military gear to go to war. But David went in the name of the Lord and he slew Goliath with a sling and a stone, and that stone was Christ. And the sling was both the instrumentality of the cross and gospel preaching. When Christ is preached, that is loading the sling with the rock. When you preach the gospel, you are loading the sling with the rock. And many pulpits are trying to slew Goliath with AK-47s, with Humvees, missiles, with tanks, canal methods, seed money, seed money, and all kinds of foolishness. And that is not God's way of salvation. You need a sling and a stone to be saved. But as I said, a sling is not sophisticated. It represents the foolishness and the simplicity of the gospel. But the rock is the power of God unto salvation. And so Goliath can only be taken down by this shepherd who is despised of the people who by his one slingshot took down the enemies of God's people. One slingshot. Without a sword in his hand. And so Jesus, by his one perfect sacrifice, one perfect offering, he perfected forever them that are sanctified. And that is why the Lord said to Peter in John 18, 10 to 11, still remember the story, when Peter drew his sword, and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? What is happening? Peter is trying to help Jesus. Peter is messing up the gospel. Peter is coming with the same equipment as Saul was trying to give to David. The true gospel says to the sinner, Put your sword back into the ship. Quit trying to fight for yourself. You can't do it. Let me drink the cup for you. Put away 
all that you have confidence in for salvation. Christ alone is sufficient. He alone drank the cup that the Father gave him, bringing our own swords to try and help Jesus is not loving Jesus at all. It is despising the cup that he drank down to its dregs. Remember also, Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. When Peter said, no, you can't go and die at Jerusalem. It can't happen, Lord. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You do not have the interest of God, but of man. Peter is getting this gospel thing wrong all the time. But he was very sincere. Peter was very sincere in the things that he was saying. But sincerity is not the way of truth. You can be sincerely wrong. (laughs) So we have to be careful with salvation. We do not do Jesus a favor when we try to help him or use fleshly methods to perfect our own salvation. If we began in the spirit, we have to continue in the spirit. We can't be perfected by the flesh. We can't. So those who are still trying to do things to make themselves good before God are like Saul who tried to persuade David to put on the carnal means of attaining salvation. But David will say no, he would rather go in the name of the Lord. Sin and death were only to be defeated by the power of God, not by the flesh. Saul's armor was attempting to do the things of God, salvation using carnal means. But David has this to say. This is what David was saying in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 6. 2 Corinthians 10 to 6. This is what David was saying to Saul. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. That's what. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing like Goliath that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You see, to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So Jesus did not war according to the flesh. He did not use carnal weapons to remove our sin But his weapons were mighty in God, the cross. Mighty to pull down Goliath, sin, the devil, condemnation, and death. And that was introduction. That was introduction. Now we go to our text. So David continues to find favor with God. And Saul continues to hate him and to seek to destroy him. And God continues to preach the gospel. And as David was escaping from Saul, we are told, verse 1 of 1 Samuel 21, Now David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? Ahimelech meets with David. And Ahimelech has been watching CNN. 
and Fox News and he's been hearing of what has been happening to David, he knows King Saul wants to kill David. So when David shows up, that's trouble. But Nob was the city of priests. This is where the tabernacle of meeting was. And there David came and he met with Ahimelech, the priest. And of course, like I said, Ahimelech is not very amused by the presence of David. And so he asks him and says, why are you alone and no one is with you? He wants to know, what are you guys plotting to do? (laughs) Verse 2, so David said to Ahimelech, the priest, the king has ordered me on some business and said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or what I have commanded you. And I have directed my young man to such and such a place. So David did not tell Ahimelech the truth about his errand and his situation. That he was actually running away from Saul. But he and his men were hungry because Saul was on their heels. And so David asked Ahimelech and said, verse 3 and 4, Now therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There's no common bread on hand, but there's holy bread. If the young men have at least kept themselves from women. Ahimelech said to David, There's no common bread for you guys to eat. There's no common bread that you can buy from Walmart that I can just give you. The bread that I have is consecrated bread. It's bread that is coming from the tabernacle of meeting. It's only holy bread. But you can have it only on one condition that your young man and yourself have been ceremonially clean by keeping yourself from women. Verse 5. Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly, women have been kept from us about three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in fact common, even though it was sanctified in the vessel this day. David says, not only are the young men clean, but he also was ceremonially clean since the last time they left the presence of Saul. But not only that. David says something that is illegal. (laughs) Ahimelech tells David that he has holy bread. But David says the bread was in fact common. Ahimelech has just told David that there's no common bread. He only had holy bread. But David says the bread is common. Very interesting exchange. Why? What is happening? The bread that is being talked about is the showbread. And the showbread was only to be eaten by Aaron and his sons and their descendants. Only they could eat. Why? Because Aaron and his sons were they who were appointed to be ministers in the tabernacle. They alone could go into the holy of holies, the most holy place. And so they alone had the express permission from God to eat of that bread. So Aaron and his sons who were Levites had the right to eat the bread, not David. Leviticus 24, 5-9. Leviticus 24, 5-9. And you shall take 
fine flour and baked cough cakes with it. Two-tenths of an ephah shall be in each cake. Stan will tell us how much an ephah is, but I need to make me some shortbread. You shall set them in two rows, six in a row, on the pure gold table before the Lord. And that is in the holy place. There was a table of shortbread. And you shall put pure frank incense on each row that it may be on the bread for a memorial an offering made by fire to the Lord. Every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, for it is most holy to him from the offerings of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. So this bread is only for Aaron and his family. But this bread also was made by the Levites. It's only the tribe of Levi that could make the bread. The priestly tribe. The priestly family. First Chronicles, First Chronicles 9, 28 to 32. First Chronicles 9, 28 to 32. And the beginning of the chapter is just giving us some of the duties that were to be performed by the Levites. And the text says, now, verse 28, now some of them were in charge of the seven vessels, for they brought them in and took them out by count. Some of them were appointed over the furnishings and over the implements of the sanctuary and over the fine flour and the wine and the oil and the incense and the spices. And some of the sons of the priests made the ointment of the spices. Matithia of the Levites, the firstborn of Shalom, the Korahite, had the trusted office over the things that were bagged in the pans. And some of the brethren of the sons of the Korahites were in charge of preparing the showbread for every Sabbath. For every Sabbath. So the Levites, the Korahites, were responsible for preparing the showbread for every Sabbath. And so every Sabbath, the bread was swapped out for new bread. So you had the 12 loaves of bread for the one week. And every Saturday, they would take those 12 and bring in a new batch. And so when David and his men came, they got this bread that had just been removed from circulation. From circulation. But this bread still was not to be eaten by common men. This bread could not be eaten by anybody who was not from the tribe of Levi. God had specifically said it was only for Aaron and his sons. But David and his men came and got this bread on the Sabbath day. Even though they were not Levites and yet did not die. (laughs) Very interesting. Verse 6 of First Samuel 21. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread, which had been taken from before the Lord, in order to put hot bread in, in its place, on the day when it was taken away. So Ahimelech gave David and his men the showbread that had just been taken away from the presence of the Lord to be replaced with the new and fresh bread. And this change of bread happened only 
on the Sabbath. And if one would have this holy bread on a Sabbath and at the time of the switch and had not defiled themselves with women, they could eat it without dying. Remember, it was unlawful for them to eat this bread. And to understand what's going on, this very glorious stuff. It's glorious, I'm telling you. We need the help of Jesus to help us understand what is happening. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. Luke records and says, Now it happened on the second Sabbath after the first, that he went through the grain fields, and his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? But Jesus answering them said, have you not even read this? What David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he went into the house of God, took and ate the showbread, and also gave some to those with him, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he said to them, The Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. Wow, Jesus, that's a lot of teaching. The Lord's disciples went through the grain fields on the Sabbath and they plugged the heads of the grain, rubbing in their hands, and they ate. What was the problem? The Pharisees, with their extra-biblical rules and legalism, had interpreted that rubbing something in your hands was work. They were working by rubbing the Grain in their hands. They said, okay, that's work. You have to be stoned. You're working. That's a violation of the Sabbath. And if one violated the Sabbath, they had to be stoned. Remember the guy who picked up a stick and God said, kill him. <laughs> so they want the disciples of Jesus to be stoned for violating the Sabbath. But the Lord Jesus answered and refuted their charge using the story of David. And this man, and said, verse 3 again, have you not even read this? Do you even have your Bible? What David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he went into the house of God, took and ate the showbread, and also gave some to those with him, which is not lawful for any but the priesthood. So this was a reference to the story of David and Ahimelech that we are teaching from in First Samuel 21. But the Lord said a lot of important things here that are going to help us in our teaching and understanding of the story of David and Ahimelech. First, Jesus established that there was a proper use of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for the benefit of man and not man for the Sabbath. Secondly, David violated the Sabbath regulation for the benefit of his men that were with him. David violated the law of the bread for the sake of the men who were with him. Thirdly, what David did, according to Jesus, was the proper and good use of the Sabbath rule by feeding himself and his men. Fourthly, David and his men were not condemned. 
Jesus would have the Pharisees to understand that David was not condemned. Even though it was unlawful, he was not condemned. Fifthly, it is Jesus, not the Pharisees or anybody, who gives the correct interpretation of all things. It's Jesus. What he says is what goes. Why? Because he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Which means he is God who gave the Sabbath. He knows exactly what that means. But there's something that is even more exciting and interesting to me. By this story, Jesus was claiming that he and his disciples were the fulfillment of David and his men. David was leading his men and provided for them when they were hungry. And so Jesus also is providing for his men who were hungry. But not only these, but all those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because this is a gospel story. And so David was a type of Christ. And the men that were with him are a type of the elect of God in Christ. And if David was a type of Christ, then we have the key to unlock even more understanding from both stories. David ate bread that was not lawful for him to eat as one who was from the tribe of Judah, which the law spoke nothing about the right to eat that bread. The law did not speak anything about the priesthood of Judah but only for those who were descendants of Aaron. These are they who were the mediators of the priesthood of the law. But why was David and his men not condemned? Because they're supposed to be condemned. God expressly said, only Aaron and his sons are to eat that bread. If the tribe of Simeon, or Gad, or Reuben, or Benjamin had eaten the bread, someone was going to die. If anyone from those tribes had eaten that bread, someone was going to die. The fact that David and his men ate and lived means that God considered the transaction a legitimate gospel transaction. And so God saw no violation of the law. God was preaching something with a story. David, as we said, seemed to get off the hook with just about everything. The sins that were supposed to kill him did not kill him. He was supposed to have been killed for murdering Uriah. Supposed to have been killed for adultery with Bathsheba. And for some reason David continues to live and even goes to marry Bathsheba. (laughs) And now he's getting away with eating bread that was not commanded of his tribe to eat. Let us get more understanding from Jesus. Luke 5, go back one page. Luke 5, 36 and 39. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled. And the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine, 
immediately desires in you, for he says, the old is better. Pay attention to this. This parable was spoken just before the confrontation with the Pharisees about plucking corn on the Sabbath and eating it. The Lord was already hinting on his hermeneutic of the change of covenants. And he put the change of covenants in the picture of the new garment and the old garment, the new wine and the wineskins. With the old garment and the new garment, he says, they have to match. And so if you use a new piece of garment on an old, you're going to cause a tear. They are incompatible. He's saying the old and the new are incompatible with one another. They do not keep running together at the same time. We're going to develop that. Listen to this. Wine was put in new wineskins so that as it fermented, the skins would be able to expand without bursting due to the fermenting pressure. And so if one understood the winemaking process, it was not wise for them to put new wine into old wineskins that had already been stretched to their plastic limit by the gas from the fermentation process. Once the wineskins had expanded, they had gotten to their limit. And so if you put new wine, new wine still needs room to expand and the old has no more room to expand. And that would cause it to burst and spill the contents. And so the Lord was teaching that the new covenant was coming and that it was not an improvement or an extension of the old. The new covenant was not shoved into the old wineskins. No, they are incompatible with regards to their purpose. The issue is purpose. There has to be a change of wineskins. There has to be a change of containers, a change of priesthood and the law. See that? There has to be a change of mediators. Hebrews 8, 13. The writer of Hebrews says, in that he says, a new covenant, he has made the first absolute. Now, what is becoming absolute and growing old is ready to vanish away. So the old covenant does not continue in the new. It does not. A lot of pulpits love for the law to continue, the love Moses to continue, the love Mount Sinai to continue to thunder. But Jesus says, no, that's a wrong understanding of the gospel. Listen to this. So David is a type of Christ ate bread that was not lawful for him to eat. Why? Because he was anticipating the change of priesthood. It's going to come. He was anticipating the change of priesthood. Remember, the bread was only for the Levitical priesthood. But for some reason, David gets to eat it and does not get in trouble. David represents, in a type, a much more superior priesthood of Christ. David, as a type of Christ, represents the priesthood of Christ. And the priesthood of Christ allows for the violation, as it were, in course of the commandment of the holy bread because it brings much better bread. Brings much better bread. The priesthood of Christ makes the holy bread of the law common bread. Remember the conversation between David and Ahimelech. 
Ahimelech says is holy bread. David says it's common bread. Why? Where does David have the authority? Where does he get the authority to call that which is holy common? <laughs> We're going to expand on that. The priesthood of Christ makes the holy bread of the law common bread. It was holy under the law, but now is common for those who have been allowed to eat it. So the gospel has become common to us, which means it has become accessible to us who are in Christ. The issue of common or holy is an issue of access. It's access. Because if the bread is not made common, you and I can't eat it. It has been made common by a change of priesthood. <laughs> Romans 5, 1-2. Therefore, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Access. Access is the issue. Ephesians 2.18 For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. It's all about access. So Christ Jesus came so that there would be a change of the old bread to the new and fresh bread to make the holy bread common that we may access it by faith who were by nature not allowed to eat it. By nature, we were not allowed to partake of that bread. By eating this bread, David who is from the tribe of Judah, was signaling a change of priesthood. As I said, it was not lawful for him and his men to eat. And so there was a picture of the change of the priesthood, and the bread was also a type of Christ, or of the body of Christ. Because the body of Christ was holy. It was holy. And that Christ, that bread, that is Christ, was inaccessible to you and I. Salvation was inaccessible to you and I unless we were already with or in the company of David. Salvation inaccessible because the law through Ahimelech would always demand to see your perfection, your righteousness, your fitness to eat of that holy bread before you were cleared. It was inaccessible. Salvation was inaccessible without a change of priesthood. So the priesthood of Christ is so important to your salvation. Otherwise, you have no hope. Hebrews 7, 11 to 17. Hebrews 7, 11 to 17. Therefore, this is why I'm really loving the gospel from the Old Testament. It's, oh, it's so good. Hebrews 7, 11 to 17. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? <laughs> what need was there? If the Levitical priesthood was good enough for you, why 
is there a need? Why was there a need for another priesthood that was called not after the order of Aaron? The order of Aaron would not allow you to eat the bread because God said, oh, it's only for Aaron and his sons. Verse 12, for the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. So the law has to be changed if the mediator has been changed. Verse 13, for he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the altar. So the one who comes after the order of Melchizedek is from another tribe. And there's no one who ever officiated at the altar to make sacrifices from the tribe of Judah or another tribe, which was not the Levitical priesthood. I'm going to make some commentary and then we'll resume with verses 14 to 17. I want you to see something from our old text. See that the old bread had to be removed so that the new and fresh bread could be put in. They did not continue together on the table of showbread. And so the law and the new covenant do not continue to offer the same kind of bread together. The old bread has to be removed from the table so that the new may come and remain. You're seeing the change of the old and the new every Sabbath. Because when Jesus died on the Passover, there were two Sabbaths in the week that Jesus died. The regular Saturday and Thursday. You're moving from one Sabbath into another. The Sabbath of the old into the new Sabbath. Why? Because there's a change of priesthood. And that is why the bread was changed on the Sabbath day and not on any other day. The law had a temporary function until faith came. The law was our tutor to Christ. But now that Christ has come, we are no longer under the tutor. We are no longer under the tutor. If we continue to be under the tutelage of the law, then we are saying that Christ is insufficient for our salvation. We still need the bread from Aaron. And that can't be. We can't do that. And so the eating of bread by David was preaching the coming of the new priesthood in Christ. David was from the tribe of Judah, not from Benjamin, not from Simeon, not from God, not from Dan. David was from the tribe of Judah as Christ was from the tribe of Judah. So we can only understand what David did in terms of the gospel. Otherwise, people will get caught up in useless speculations. <laughs> Let's continue with Hebrews 7, 14. Right of Hebrews says, For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. For he testifies, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. I long to preach from the book of Hebrews 
It's a wonderful, glorious book. So David has to eat the bread because he is testifying of another priesthood, the priesthood of Christ. That is not according to the law of fleshly commandment. That's what David is doing. But one cannot eat the bread outside the company of David and one cannot eat the bread before the Lord says something. Before the law says something. Ahimelech has something to say. The law, as represented by Ahimelech, has to make some demands and ask some questions. <laughs> the law has to ask some questions about the qualifications of those who are with David to see if they are fit to eat the bread. The law questions your right to eat. And David answers the law and says, those that are with him have the right to eat. See that the bread was to be made only by the Kohathites. I'm going to work on that point a little later. But it's a very important point as to the function of the law with respect to the believer. But I wanted to bring some interesting point that the bread was made by the Kohathites, the Levites, the priests. And this bread was fulfilled by Christ, who is the bread from heaven, whose body was prepared by God the Holy Spirit. John 6.51, Jesus says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So the body of Christ is the bread that was made by God himself. From the same priestly line, it was not made by the Reubenites, was not made by any other tribe, but by the same priestly line. And so the body of Christ had to be made by God himself, not from the womb of Mary. Mary was only a surrogate. <laughs> but see this. See the condition for David and those with him to eat the bread. See the condition. Very important. The condition was ceremonial cleanliness. Verse 5 of First Samuel 21. Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly women have been kept from us about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in fact common, even though it was sanctified in the vessel this day. What is happening? Let us work this again. What is happening? Who is Ahimelech? Ahimelech lives in Nob, and Nob was the city of priests. And Ahimelech is a priest. And so as a priest, he has the right to ask David about cleanliness and that of his men. Ahimelech represents the law and the function of the law. The law is there to ask you about your cleanliness. David is a type of Christ. And see that the law spoke to David and not to the man. And asked about the righteousness of David and his compatriots. And David spoke on behalf of his people and declared them all clean. And Ahimelech was satisfied with the testimony. <laughs> and he gave the bread. Ahimelech was satisfied with the testimony. The law inspected the righteousness of Christ as our representative. As the representative of his people. And it was satisfied with what Christ said. Why? 
Because Christ is the representative and the mediator and surety for his people. As David was for his friends. And so the law looks to the representative. And it asks all questions about purity and righteousness and holiness to the representative. Oh, this is very important. Because a lot of people don't get this. Because they are thinking that somehow the law continues to ask them. No, the law talks to Christ. Because Christ is he who became our representative before the law. So the conversation of salvation happens between Christ and the law. It happens between David and Ahimelech. And so the law looks to the representative and asks all questions about purity, about righteousness, about holiness. And the law seeks the testimony of cleanliness or righteousness from the representative, not from the friends of David. Why? Because the law is a servant of Christ. And it listens to everything that Christ says. It believes the testimony of Christ. And so if we want to know whether Christ was accepted, whether we were accepted, we hear what the law says on Christ. And the resurrection of Christ is the law saying it was satisfied with everything that Christ did. The testimony of Christ about his people before the law is their testimony before the law. And that testimony is enough to declare their righteousness because they are in him and they are with him. John 15 verse 3. This is what Jesus said to the disciples. He says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You are clean because of what he has spoken. Christ has made a declaration that all those who are in him are clean. End of story. End of story. It doesn't matter what you're going to do today. It doesn't matter what's going to happen to you today, tomorrow, on your deathbed. It doesn't matter even if you lose your mind, if you are those numbered among David, the testimony is you are clean because I've spoken it. And Ahimelech, listen to me. <laughs> is that not what David said about his men? That they are clean and they've kept themselves and they've kept themselves from women three days, say David. Since I came out. Came out of what, David? Why just throw statements like that? Since I came out from where? I have to ask those questions. Come out of the grave. David has to come out of the grave. David's men now possess the righteousness of the crucified and resurrected Christ. And the testimony of Christ about such is enough for the vindication of their righteousness. And the law respects that. And it gives them their bread. <laughs> Once the law sees Christ, game over. It is satisfied with Christ. And that means satisfied by all those who are in him. And so Romans 8 verses 31 to 33. Apostle Paul would come and write and say, Romans 8, 31 to 34. What then shall we say to these things? What then shall we say? 
if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. It is David who made intercession for the righteousness of his men. And none could bring a charge against them. Ahimelech could not say, oh no, David, I don't think that's true. I have to take you through a lie detector. When David spoke before Ahimelech, Ahimelech said, no, I can't withdraw the bread from you. I have to give your men their bread. These who have been given the right to eat the holy bread are they who are with David, who possess the same righteousness as David. Remember, David also had to be ceremonially clean from the same thing, from women. And that is to say, they all possessed the same righteousness measured the same way. <laughs> same righteousness. So the believer has the righteousness of Christ imputed to them. Those of us who are with Christ possess the same righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God which is by faith alone. And my friends, you can't eat the bread of Christ if you're not among the friends of David. Elect and chosen by Christ. That's the condition of eating the bread. It's not whether you were baptized here, you were dipped or you were sprinkled. That's not the condition. The issue is, are you with David? Are you with Christ? That's the issue. And we know we are David's friends by what gospel that we have believed. Do we believe in the gospel of grace alone? David asked for five loaves of bread. And five is the number of grace. Five is the number of grace. So our right to eat the bread is only by grace, not by anything that we did. And so all those who are in Christ have the right to eat the holy bread, Jesus Christ, which the law would have condemned them for. Those in Christ can now eat this holy bread without condemnation because of a change of priesthood from Levi to Judah. No condemnation for those who are in David. Remember Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You have to be in someone. You have to be in David to eat the holy bread. Or you have to be in Christ. So the issue of salvation is in whom are you in? But a change of priesthood, as we finish, requires a change of the law. And that means a change in the covenant. So one cannot continue to eat bread both from the table of showbread of the Levites, the law, and from the table of Christ. It is mixing laws and priesthoods. It is zeal without knowledge. A true believer cannot be both under Moses and under grace. It is failing to change the showbread every Sabbath. The old bread do not mix with the new. The old bread does not mix with the new. 
the change of bread happened on a Sabbath. The change of priesthood happened on a Sabbath. Why? Because where there's a change of priesthood, there is the ushering in of the true Sabbath of God's people. When the priesthood is changed from Levi to Christ, then there is the coming of the true Sabbath, of the true rest of God's people. It is the priesthood of Judah that brings rest to God's people, not of Moses and Aaron. And all these Seventh-day Adventists who think they are still obeying the Sabbath, they don't know what they're talking about. But the change of priesthood cannot happen without death. David has to go on the cross and be killed. And the death of Goliath was a picture of how Christ was to defeat God's enemies on the cross with the simplicity of the sling and the stone with just bare hands. The bare hands of Christ hung on the cross are they that slew Goliath to death. And this death and resurrection was also pictured in David seeking refuge in the cave of Adullam with his friends who were in debt, in distress, and discontented. And we are told by the text that, and David was captain over them in the cave and out of the cave. Right into the exaltation of David as the king of Israel. When David was how old? 30 years old. David became king of Israel when he was 30, which is the time that the Lord began his ministry. Like God was lucky. Like, okay, I'm waiting for David to be 30. Let me see. So what are we saying? We are saying that the new covenant in the blood of Christ is what changed the law that allowed you and I to partake of the holy food that was not lawful even for us Gentiles to eat. It is the blood of Christ in the new covenant that opened the way for our salvation. And so as we partake of the Lord's table, we remember our David who gave us the right to eat the holy food by making it common. Which food was not lawful for us to eat? And yet he has made it common to us by faith. We can access salvation simply by faith. And that's the beauty of the gospel. You don't have to bring cows and bulls and all kinds of things. And No, just by faith, God has made the gospel common to us. It's not saying he has made the gospel cheap. No, he is saying he has opened access to us by making it common, that which we would not have been able to access by ourselves. So praise the Lord. Did you understand that, Stan? You need help. Yeah, uh, I need to take you to Ahimelech. <laughs> praise the Lord. Brother, you can go ahead and...